Bendigo Business Stories podcast, produced by B Bendigo, acknowledges the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognises the continuing connection to lands, waters and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the Elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to our Mental Health and Wellbeing series as part of the Bendigo Business Stories podcast, proudly produced by B Bendigo and supported by the Victorian Government. Wellbeing at work is becoming increasingly important for a new generation of post-pandemic workers. Join me, your host Kimberly Finesse, as we talk to local experts, leaders and business operators about stories of well-being, resilience and good business practices. More and more professionals, and especially micro and small business owners, often operate from the heart of their home. Their path is not without challenges. The isolation, the self-reliance, the financial struggles, and the constant juggling of work, personal, and family life. It's a tough balancing act. That's where this podcast comes in. We're here to tell their stories and to recognise what it takes to not only survive, but thrive in business. We look forward to introducing you to our special guests. This episode shares personal moments and a sensitive discussion around depression and suicide. For some, this may be difficult to listen to or have a triggering effect, so you may want to skip this episode. You can phone Lifeline at any time on 13 11 14. Hello, Jeremy. Thank you for joining me as our guest to talk about building community and networking for your health promotion charity, HALT, Hope Assistance Local Tradies as part of our mental health and wellbeing series. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you for having me on. And it's a, indeed a pleasure. And I look forward to some nice searching questions. Oh, the pressure is on. I like it. <laughs> Back in 2013, you founded HALT. And it brings tradies together to have some really big, courageous, important, and hopefully uh, impactful conversations. Now, there's always a reason why someone starts a business. What was the catalyst behind HALT? Good question. Um, it's actually not a question I get with the opportunity to have some, you know, really deep dialogue and discussion. Uh, I'm a, so first of all, uh, Holt, I'm yeah, co-founder of Holt, Hope Assistance, local tradies with Catherine Pilgrim, who's an artist and mum in Casamane. Um, I moved to Casamane in 95. I'm a tradie, uh, a house painter. Uh, painter and decorator and believe it or not it is a trade so a lot of people say house painting is not a trade and I'm like oh it's a trade um, so part of that halt um, background to that is the lived experience and the knowledge of what it's like in the trade so I can come from it and say hey this is what it's like this is what I've experienced and fast forward to 2013 I was a tradie always proud of being a tradie around mental health we didn't know much didn't talk about much didn't discuss much You'd use it to joke around or bully and harass someone about it, but there was no really serious, meaningful dialogue. Uh, and in 2013, I'd been in Casamane for a while, and unfortunately, in the Shire, and I, you know, I've been here almost 30 years now, and I love it. And it's a community, a community that supported me. I've done some a lot of stuff in the community, but it goes both ways. So I think a lot of the stuff around mental health is grassroots. And we lost a guy to suicide out in Campbell's Creek, and we're at the at the wake. And I walked out of there and I talk about this in my TED talk about walking out and going, hey, you know, hugging a few mates and going, hey, you know, if, if, if something's up, um, you know, come and talk to me. And I'm like, it's that classic, you know, it'll be all right. She'll be right. Come and talk to me. We can work it out. And then realizing that I, I what do I say? Uh, hmm. 
What am I supposed to say apart from you'll be right, she'll be right, get over it, cup of concrete, all that sort of stuff. And so I thought, wow, this is powerful. And that was the fifth or sixth man um, in the Mount Alexander Shire to die by suicide in the last year. And I started to put two, two, together, uh, two and two together and started seeing more things around the people and the tradies and the men in my life. And then Catherine Pilgrim rang me up and said, let's do something for the family. And I said, great, this is a chance to do something for the community because people in the community were like, oh, okay, now this is, we're understanding, we're seeing, we're recognizing this, we want to do something. And I'm like, great. And I know a lot of people in the community. And so Catherine Pilgrim rang me up and I said, okay, let's do something, let's do something. Where can we do it where tradies go? Because I know a lot of tradies in Casamayan and around the um, Central Victoria. Let's go to a hardware store. Because, you know, the old Tonks Brothers hardware store had this beautiful um, uh, nail sort of um, shelving and stuff. And they had like a bar uh, and, to- and stools. And you just walk in there sometimes and just sit and just talk. It was a good, play- a good place to socialise. So you'd go and- I'd go and sit in there and talk. Uh, so I went in there and approached Jason from Tonks and said, hey, um, we want to do this thing around depression and anxiety and suicide prevention. And he goes, yep, let's do it here. And then I discovered, oh, okay, so tradies have to buy timber. Uh, and we know now during COVID how hard that was and the price is going up. So the hardware store guy sees a lot of, um, he sees a lot of people struggling to finish the job, get paid and get the money to pay their bills, pay their uh, materials and then move on to the next job. So we did our first event in November uh, 2013. So motivated by, yeah, lived experience, knowledge, understanding, wanting to do more for my community and help the people in my community and especially the tradies. Yeah. And I'm sorry about your loss and especially for the community back then to have lost so many mm. in the community over that 12 months. Well, we've um, lost we've lost six over the last 12 months as oh, well. Gosh. So that's just in the Mount Alexander Shire. But anyway, yes, thank yeah. you. Thank you. And it's it's all one too many. Totally. That's the thing. Yeah. Yep. Um, what are the statistics for suicide in tradespeople? So the best that we know, it's one every two days in Australia. So... It's anywhere from, you know, around a couple of hundred, 190 to 200 that we know of. Uh, in the scheme of things, that's obviously, like I said, one too many. Uh, and that's just completed suicides across, uh, that's Australia-wide that we know. Um, we know that there's just over 3,000 suicides uh, across Australia. I think it was 3,156 or somewhere, please. No one get down my throat about it. Um, I know in Victoria, where we are, there was uh, around 750 last year. And that's at least twice, three times the road toll. I was driving down to Gippsland to do some work and someone said the road toll was 207 or something, which once again is one too many and tragic. And I've lost mates in road accidents and that, I get that. And I thought to myself, wow, I reckon if we looked at the similar rates for suicide, it'd be triple that. It'd be at least 600 um, for the year. So go back to the national stats. Sorry, 3,000, uh, 80 to 100,000 people make an attempt and there's probably one to two million where it actually comes into their mind and they think about it. So it's out there. We hear a lot about the road toll uh, and it's just massive. We also know that, uh, interestingly enough, 75% of suicides are men, yet more women make attempts and are hospitalised than men each year. So we've got to take the gender out of it and just make it about um, talking, educating, understanding humans um, and helping them through that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, coming back to the men, though, I suppose, yes. in, in one way is that it, do you find that it's harder for them to ask for help or to seek assistance? Totally. And it's changing. Last week I've seen some changes in the last year or so, but... 
it's a slow shift and it needs to change more and they don't want to ask for help. And I think a lot of that's, um, oh, it's ingrained in culture. You know, when I'm sitting there talking to, you know, it might be men's sheds, sporting clubs, council depots, apprentices, hardware stores, small construction sites, big construction sites. And I'm saying, what are those things that we say to our mates if they're struggling? You'll be right. She'll be right. Get over it. Cup of concrete. And I'm like, does that ever help? And they all go, no. And I say, okay, then, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years. Why do we say that? And they're like, culture. We don't know what else to say. So, and I've never had anyone push back and say, oh, no, the culture's great, mate, and all this sort of stuff. Rubbish. And we're, it's 2023. We're going to call out that sort of um, attitude and say, no, no, it's not good enough. And men need to be able to open up and speak because they just. We all know a tradie or someone, or someone, a man that's bottled it in and just, you know, they've got to be stoic, they've got to be strong, they've got to be tough. No, 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 no. Maybe if it's work-wise, possibly, but when it comes to mental health, no. Mm. Now, this likely sounds like a very Gen Z thing to say. And look, there's a better way to articulate, I understand, but um, what's the vibe of your breakfast? You know, like you're, mm. like from start in comparison to the end, like how do you cultivate this ope? open, safe, supportive space where, you know, people can be very, really vulnerable. Kimberly, if you haven't noticed, I'm funny. <laughs> I'm a ranger. I'm witty. I'm clever. <clears throat> no, no. I think the important part is, is it's not, you know, it, it might be at a hardware store. It might be on a job site. Um, it could be at TAFE. You know, you want to go somewhere where work-wise they feel comfortable. They're not in sort of a stagnant um, room where they're just sitting there um, that they're not used to. It's somewhere where they feel comfortable, they feel safe. There's no expectations for them to talk. They can. I say to them, oi, oi, skellywags and scoundrels, just sit there, fold your arms and don't say anything but just listen. And it's about engaging them uh, and at their level. And as a tradie myself, I know the language. Um, I'm trying not to swear, Kimberly. I've been a good boy so far, good tradie. I know, um, I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, no, I, I'd, I'd love this, uh, one of those questions where it's just beep, yep, yep, and beep, and then we go to beep. That'd be really fun. I'd like that. Um, no, no. So it's about making them feel relaxed, comfortable. Um, you know, um, there's no PowerPoint presentation. There's no slides. It's me talking about my lived experience, halt, my my um, most serious thoughts of suicide ideation in um, 2015 and how I pulled myself back from that, ringing Lifeline, and just all that sort of process and them sort of understanding, feel comfortable. And then, you know, I get up there and I say, oh, I'm missing a few teeth. I'm a Collingwood supporter. I live with a cat, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And having a bit of fun. Um, not everyone does that at Holt, but everyone has their own little way. But it's just making them understand that I know what they've gone through or they might be going through. I don't want them to go through it. But it's also interactive. It's not just me saying, da-da-da-da-da, this is my sad story. Take nothing away. It's about saying, oi, does anyone know the stats? Does anyone know what mental health is? You'd be surprised, Kimberly. People do not know what mental health is. We see it so much. And I'm talking white collar, blue collar, every color collar in between. They don't know. And when you say, oh, you know, someone might go, oh, something to do with your brain, something to do with your emotions. And it's like, yeah, it's your ability to deal with your emotions, uh, be resilient, cope with the crappy things that life sends at you and get through it. And so that's at the base level where people even don't know what mental health means. Um, so we talk about that. I ask them, you know, what are those, oh, I won't swear, what are those crappy things in life? And they offer it up. 
So it's, I can stand there and talk to someone for 20 minutes or we can get them involved and then they're sharing this information. They're all part of a group there and they'll say, you know, what are the crappy things in life? And invariably, top two, top one and two around um, Casamane, Bendigo, you know, Echuca, Melbourne, Australia, the world is relationships and they'll give that up. So they know, these men and women know what's going on, uh, relationships, um, finance, alcohol, drugs, gambling, grief, sexuality, loss, racism, domestic violence, um, social media, work pressures, um, self-image. There's a heap of stuff oh, going there's on. There's so much there. It, that, yeah. that list is overwhelming in itself. Yeah, yeah. and so it's a multitude of those things. So once they know it's there and then we go, okay, so what, what are your support services? So if I'm mm. asking 10, 20, 100 people, what are your support services out there? That was a proper Crickets. silence. Yeah, no, it's a silence. Beyond Blue. What for? Uh, I, I don't know. We see them on telly. I'm like, okay. And then I talk about Lifeline, how they saved my life, and I've called them a few times since. Some will say Lifeline, then we'll say an employee assistance program, your doctor, your friends, your family. Yeah, and we talked before about you know tradies not communicating. I get tradies every week ringing me going, you know, the best thing I did after hearing you talk was to go back and tell my partner that I was struggling, and it usually ends up in tears. And, and he said, what a relief. So um, support services, how to be a good listener, how to have the tough conversation, where to have it, and use of the word suicide, that we can use it. So in that 20 minutes, we give them a real overview of tweaking the culture and how they can be brave. And you said courageous earlier. That word is so pertinent and so important to this conversation. It's is being brave and courageous is such a good way of, of, of putting it. Yeah. Yeah, people don't think about it, but I, it, you know that first step. It's a cliche, but sometimes I just hit fifty a couple of weeks ago, and it's like everything I say is a cliche. Bang, bang. I'm like, maybe there's something to cliches, and you know that one step at a time. The first step's the hardest. I definitely think it is, and you got to tell people you're being brave and courageous. It's amazing, and I'm here next to you. You know, I can't do everything for you. I can't solve the problem. I can be here and do as much as I can, but that first step, that first acknowledgement, that first phone call, the first trip to the doctors, uh, yeah, it's so courageous. And you mentioned that you'd accessed Lifeline in 2015. Um, can you remember how it felt after talking to someone? Oh, um, that was two years after I'd founded Holt and I found myself in my most darkest, darkest place. Uh, I shouldn't have been there. I should have listened to my own, to mm. be honest. I'm pretty open and honest. People know me. <clears throat> I should have listened to my own. I didn't practice what I preached to a point. And so I found myself in a certain part of Victoria, late at night, argument with um, my partner at the time. And just a lot of things that I spoke about with sleep, alcohol, um, finance, relationships, a combination of that stuff <clears throat> was just overwhelming. Um, yeah, and I just remember going, hey, walking out the front door of where we were staying and then going to the edge of the bush and going, oof. Um, and yeah, and I thought, no, no, I need to ring Lifeline. So I reached into my wallet, I pulled out a Lifeline card and I tried to call family and friends but couldn't reach anyone where I was. It was out in the middle of nowhere. But I called Lifeline and got through. And that was a relief as it was. And then the lady's talking to me, how are you going? I said, ah, not too good. Uh, okay, you're struggling and are, are you safe? And I'm like, no, um, are you gonna be all right? Nah, don't know, where are you? How are you situated? Where's the people around you? Have you got people close? And then I'm like, rah, 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 answered some stuff. And I really remember when she said to me, okay, well, just stop, stop and just, just listen to me. And um, I'm just gonna ask you, are you thinking of suicide? First time in that serious capacity anyone said it, 
the wave of relief. I just got teary. I bawled my eyes out. Don't mind that. Um, bawled my eyes out, cried. But the wave, the relief, because it was up in my head and it was like a temperature valve, which is overheating, and there's no one with that release valve. No one's releasing the pressure and the stress, uh, uh, stress and the pressure. And so she'd done that using that. You know, she talked to me before, what was wrong, what was going on, all that sort of stuff. So I thought, okay, she cares. She genuinely cares. Uh, and she's a volunteer, um, probably has her own lived experience. And there she is at 11 o'clock um, talking to me. Uh, and it was just a wave of relief. It was just, um, I don't know, comparable to, well, exactly one year to the day before that, I'd lost with my nan up in Bupa, up in Bendigo, in Long Gully there. I'd sat with her for three days. I was born in Bendigo. And my grandparents lived in Bendigo their whole lives. Uh, and I remember sitting with my nan as she passed away after three days and just um, sitting with her as she took her last breath. And her, her body, her energy went straight out through my arms, through her body, through my arms, out into the, into the universe. And that was an incredible relief for her. And exactly one year later, that same relief I had. So it made it normal, took it from inside of my head where I couldn't deal with it, to talking to someone, understanding, listening, empathy, compassion, and then uh, I had to do a lot of work. So when I'm out there talking, I don't want people to get to that point in that darkness where there's too much pain. I want them to actually be brave and courageous again uh, and, and, and just, yeah, get it while it's early. Yeah. yeah. And that's what they do. They listen. Yes. They are so very good at what they do. Yep. Um, I'm thinking that in your position, you probably have a few people that come to you and talk to you. Yes. And you're living that that experience all the time yep. back, you know, when. And how do you manage that? Like that must be a lot to hold. And we're just coming off the back of Are You OK Day. Oh, hectic. You've done – hectic yep. is probably the word to describe. Last yep. year you did, what, 30 events, 1,500 people you spoke yep. to. How do you protect your well-being? That's, oh, thank you for that. Uh, I know when we got federal government funding in 2019, uh, we got $2 million over four years to work in the northwest and southeast of Melbourne. So we started to have workers on. And when I got that, I got the, um, the, the phone call from Greg Hunt, the then federal health minister. I was just coming back from South Australia doing some work over there for um, mental health with my mate Jeremy Edwards. And then I was in my car in the car park, at, I think down the street somewhere, and Greg Hunt calls and he said, "Oh, um, we're gonna we have some previous meetings before that." And he said, "Oh, we're gonna we've got two million dollars for Holt." And I just started crying again. Uh, and that sounds like a lot, but that's over like four years, lots of workers, petrol costs, office, you know, covering three million people. But it was a great start. So immediately I thought. That's it, 18 hour days, I've got to work hard, I've got to fix everything, I've got to solve everything, I've got to make everything perfect. Putting that external pressure on myself that I have to be this person that works all that time. And I remember 18, 12 months in, I almost had a nervous breakdown because of what you said. I took everything on board and luckily some people saw that and sat down with me, some dear friends, uh, um, some beautiful men and women in my life sat down and said, oi, come on. We want Holt to work. We need you good, fit, firing, healthy. So then I started to not take stuff on, not answer emails at every time of the day or night, not answer every phone call. And I started during my talks to say, Holt's a health promotions charity, which we are, a registered health promotions charity. We're not a counselling service, but we're the bridge between you and that counselling service. So I started to cut out a lot of the people would put their hands up and say, "Tell me, start telling me about their experience. Or they'd come up to me afterwards and just, without a filter, unload, telling me experiences, locations, methods. And I'd be like, <gasps> but now, uh, and also now I've learnt um, to, if 
I'm not ready myself. Like I can't be on, like you can't probably, Kimberly, be on all the time. And there's sometimes when I'm out and about, I don't want to talk to anyone or something's going on for me because there's still things that come up for me and I get to a point where I can start to feel the anxiety inside me. I know and I'm like, all right, right, sorry, I can't, yeah, I can't deal with this right about now. Um, I can at some stage, I'll get back to you, I'll talk to you. Is there someone else that can do it? Um, But I also have put into place things I do for myself um, to take my mind off it. So I'd be traveling around um, Melbourne, regional Victoria, flying around Australia like I'm doing again now, which is great. Um, and it'd always be work, 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 work. Now I'm driving op shops, bakeries, museums, art galleries. In between, I'm still doing as many talks, maybe more, but instead of stopping and going, I'm just going to work, 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 I'm actually going to do some good stuff. Uh, and I taught myself to paint um, three years ago. Um, I've been taking some photos, but taught myself to paint, and I've done three exhibitions since. Uh, and I paint landscapes, houses, sheds. So when I'm driving around, I'll stop and I'll take a photo of a shed, an old house in some small rundown house in some small town, country town, and I'll just take some time. Uh, and you know, I just make sure I look after myself a little bit more and don't have to feel like I have to give everything all the time. Yeah, that's that creative release for you. Can yes. you do fitness or creativity? Well, I'll get out in the goldfields track. The gun runs from Bendigo, 210K, 210K is Bendigo to Mount Buninyong through Ballarat and Creswick and all that sort of stuff. That, that, that track's incredible. Beautiful. Getting people out there for a walk, having a chat, or just doing it. I sometimes go out there just on my own, just a bit of power walking through the, the track. Yeah. Need it. Clear the head. Yeah, clear the head. Yeah. Um, the episode is about you, Jeremy, but I will say um, there were some things there that resonated with me. I found myself last year doing some podcast interviews uh, and a couple of them were really heavy. They were talking about really heavy subjects. Um, I probably wasn't in a greatest spot either. You know, and again, it's just all those pressures that come on you and that that barrier breaks a little bit. And as you said, you take it on. Yes. So it's, yeah, for me too, like I know after today, I've got you and someone else back to back. We're talking about big things um, that can be triggering. So now for me, it's like, okay, I need space outside of the day then to work through that and... And obviously, so when we yeah. finish this, I'm going to get a tattoo up in Bendigo. So that's my little thing after the week. <clears throat> yeah. Love it. Yeah, so that's my thing. Is like I'm looking after myself uh, and that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. So do whatever you need to do for you and realise that you can't take everything on and it's, you're going to burn out. I don't yep. want to burn out. You know, no. I've still got so much more. I just turned 50. There's so much more to do. And I said the rates are increasing. We just started doing a little um, through a group, an um, organisation called FRRR. We're doing a thing around, it's called Older Adults Matter because rates of suicide for adults over 65 has increased 32%. So across Victoria alone. So for me, we're going to do some work around uh, older adults uh, as well. Oh. So over 65 men, golf wow. clubs, bowling clubs, Iris, Cells, rotary lines, pubs, clubs, whatever, anywhere that there's over 65 or over 60s or whatever through Mount Alexander Shire and into, into Maryborough as well. So, you know, there's always little things to do, but you just got to yeah, keep that cup half full. And a lot of people I talk to uh, don't do things for themselves. You know, I have no children. I'm childless by choice, um, but I have time. I get that. But even if you have children, partners, you know, whatever it is, you still need to find that time. And when I'm out there asking someone, like if I asked you, what do you do just for you? Or I'm at an event, I can get 80 just blank looks. Really? Yeah, totally. Oh, wow. Oh, we haven't got time. We're too busy. No. Oh, fishing, um, camping, um, the gym, exercise, writing, yeah. poetry. Great. When was the last time you did it? Ages. Okay. Do you know that you haven't done it? Yes. 
okay, you need to go back and try and find five minutes, whatever you need to do. So that's important as well and just not taking stuff on. Yeah, and there's such good business lessons that you're dishing out as well. When you start a business, it's that same. You take everything on. You burn the candle because yep. you think you have to. Yep. But really learning to say no, um, finding other ways to to switch off that digital detox is really important. I read Trashy Mills and Boons novels. Oh, would you ever write your own? I think I've got one in me, sure. Yes. <laughs> Oh, imagine that I'm, I'm one based scared. in Bendigo. <laughs> I'm too mm. scared to put my name against that. Um, mm. But yeah, no, definitely have one in me, I reckon. Everyone out there, look for the next time you see a Mills and Boone based, it's called the Golden Shamrock or something. What would the name of the Mills and Boone be? Um, I might have to fun engage. Fun on the tramways. Fun, oh. fun, I don't know. I, even the phone. I, I have to engage you maybe for the title. That's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I'll work the title out. <laughs> but no, that's something, because I, I write as well and paint and everything. And I just think whatever it is, just something good for you. Yeah, yeah, yep. absolutely. Um, just in on that business side of it, what tra- and I know we're we're taking a real left turn back, but what transferable skills from your life as a tradie have you brought back into your business? Um, <clears throat> work ethic. Yeah, I think the ability and as a tra- as a tradie starting early uh, and working through the day, <clears throat> um, I did that. So uh, there's that. Uh, I did. You know, I, I did study economics. Um, uh, at school, um, in year 12, and legal studies. So I've got a bit of knowledge around that. Um, but a lot of the stuff, uh, I went to uni for a little bit, but I'm not sure how much archaeology and Holocaust, genocide, history, biblical archaeology and religious studies has helped. I do have a wall of religious iconography prints on my at home. Um, but as far as that, <clears throat> I think work ethic, and for me the biggest thing I think is that lived experience. Oh, and also the left field thing was... I was a member of the, I'm actually a life member of the Casamain Theatre Company. So for me, I played the line in The Wizard of Oz and <clears throat> all this oh, sort of stuff. Oh, I can see it. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Potentially better than the guy that played it in the film, someone once said. I think it was Bert Lahr. No, no. So for me, it's not necessarily, so it's those transferable skills of being able to get up on stage and you have one shot. Yeah, I got one shot with these bunch of men and women. I'm standing up there in front of them. If I can fumble, mumble, be quiet, not engage them at the start, I'm not going to be able to pull them back. So it's about crafting a story, crafting some educational, crafting some knowledge and being able to hit them and confident enough straight away. So my um, uh, theatrical skills uh, of, and, and also no script. So everything, I've never had a script, everything, whether I'm talking for 10 minutes, hour and a half, it's all up there. And there's also, I don't know, uh, uh, ego, confidence. I'm not saying ego is a bad thing. I think it's a point we need it. I remember someone said to me a few years ago, all right, when I say, I just say I'm getting nervous. And, and, and this person said, you're not nervous, you're excited. Don't say nervous ever again. And so I don't. I'm like, I'm not nervous. I'm like, How are you feeling? I'm excited. And so automatically I'm like, yeah getting myself fired up, bringing the fire, as my mate says. So I think it's that, yeah, not necessarily educ- – I wasn't the best at, um, at school and that sort of stuff, but I, I think some just lived experience, family, work, the, the trade, um, community engagement, speaking to people, talking to people, being nice to people and treating people like humans, uh, and then a bit of the, um, theatre and a bit of um, – Confidence? Yeah, let's go confidence, Kimberly, without people going, oh, gee, he's full of himself. Oh, what an ego. Rah, 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 rah. I'm like, well, yeah, I'll let that go. But yeah, that sort of stuff. I'm not, yeah. That's another conversation. It's that culture thing, that tall poppy yeah. syndrome. Can't tall be too, poppy. Can't, can't be too confident. Can't yeah. have that ego attached to things. So, sorry, on, on that last little bit, when I said about I did year 12 accounting, it just meant that when I started Holt with Catherine and we got the bank account and we started, and because I've been, I've been on the committee, the committee of the theatre company, I knew about committees. I knew about 
um, not-for-profits. Uh, I knew about you know what we need to start a, um, um, a charity, and then I progressed. I spoke to people, learnt from people, um, and in my year 12 um, legal and economics helped me understand uh, a little bit about finance, just a small bit. I didn't do I go, oh, maybe got a C or a D, classic me, maybe a C in accounting, but I knew about you know spreadsheets, profit and loss, balance sheets, financial statements. So I took a little bit of that, and I also had some people around me that helped. Oh, that's a huge help though. Yeah. Just that finance part. It's something oh, that we yeah. don't learn. And um, I know I've heard you talk about tradies, that that's a part that they they don't learn through their process, especially as they're so young coming through. I've got one more question. Yes. Um, in terms of COVID, I know we don't like to go too far back, but um, how did how did Holt work for your community during COVID? And how's it working now? Because that, that building industry's not looking great at the minute. There must be lots of stresses for them. Yeah, well, we went over the stresses before and they get amplified every day and we're constantly seeing building companies, small and large, right across the gamut of small, you know, mum and dad businesses to medium-sized company to tier three, two and tier ones going to the wall as such because of the high cost and prices and materials and contracts. You're a builder and 18 months ago, you had a fixed price contract to build a house for 150,000, say, as an example, I'd love to get a house for 150,000, maybe a straw bale, seven sort of star rating one for 150,000. And suddenly, because of all the COVID stuff and lack of materials, you've now, that's now 300,000, an extra 100, 150,000 in materials is doubled or whatever it is. And suddenly you're going back to the person with the contract and they're saying, no, no, you built it for 150 because that's what we signed and you're in the you know what. So... That's been a big thing. COVID really, yeah. I, I, there were times during COVID where I thought, nah, we're out. We're really? done. Yeah. Because our thing is engagement, talking to you in, in front person. of people, emotion, power, energy, confidence, educational, all that sort of stuff. And we switched to online, which I can still get a, a sort of level of uh, emotion and, and stuff around it. But we had to do a lot of that, pivoted into that. Um, yeah, so we couldn't really get out onto the building sites, although I thought we were a critical service, but uh, we unfortunately, we couldn't get that level, so we couldn't travel through the ring of steel, uh, unfortunately. But yeah, as we come out of lockdown, it started to be a bit better. We found that people start learned to cope during lockdown, businesses, and they got com- not comfortable. No, no, they got comfortable and they understood where it was at, what they could do, what they couldn't do. We found people got a lot more stressed when they come out of lockdown and a week later, go back in. Come out of lockdown, two weeks later, go back in. That was a worse time, a really struggling, critical time for the industry. Yeah, once you're in lockdown, yep, you know what it, what it takes and we, what you're in for. Up and down, in and out of lockdown was just too much for a lot of people. Uh, it's getting better now um, with, you know, with COVID. We know it's still around and it's still an issue for people. Um, luckily enough, we're all, for everyone, back into it and, and starting to get out there. And I'm starting to travel more around Victoria and, and Australia, which is great. Um, but yeah, hopefully those um, yeah people that got through so far can just keep just getting through it. If you had one ask, what would it be? Um, <clears throat> if I had one ask, what would it be? Who am I asking? Am you I asking ask anyone? Um, people with money? <laughs> Funding? <laughs> well, we actually, you know, to a point, um, are struggling for funding at the moment, if I could be open and honest. Um, so we're struggling on a state and federal level to uh, get funding for HALT to continue, which we don't know why. We don't understand it with all the stuff around mental health and the importance of it. For some reason, they're reticent. We are having discussions, so that's okay. Um, I would love all... Um, um, 
with regards to Holt, I think it's it's funding, it's it's money. You know, I want to get up to Bendigo. I was born in Bendigo. My father worked, my grandfather worked at WM McKean Co. on the sale yards. They, they played bowls at VRI and Quarry Hill Golf Course. They lived in Quarry Hill. David and Olga Forbes, they were just beautiful people. And I desperately want, let's forget about national, I just want to somehow to be able to get to Bendigo, where I was born and went to primary school and Kangaroo Flat Tech. I want to be able to get up in Bendigo. That's my ask. This is mostly for Bendigo, yeah? Absolutely. Yeah, it's so, only yeah. 30 minutes down the road. So I want <laughs> the people in Bendigo to reach out to me. I want them to reach out. For, I'm easy to find. Uh, and I want, that's my ask. My ask is forget about state, federal, all right? That'll happen hopefully. If not, we'll see what happens there. But I want the people in the Bendigo, greater Bendigo region to actually go, hey, let's be proactive. Let's do some good things, which they already are in Bendigo totally. But I want to get a halt up there. I don't care, blue collar, white collar. Um, I don't care what business you are. Just get me. I don't care if there's three of you. Um, I did a, um, a talk to 150, <clears throat> 150 to level crossing removals in Thomastown. One week later, I was talking to two Sparkies and two apprentices in a shed in Mandurang. Great. Just the four of us in the shed in Mandurang was incredibly, it was intimate. It was just one of my favorite all-time ones. So my ask is, Bendigo, get to me. Get me up there. Again, Jeremy, it's one person. That's all we have to keep moving at, helping, saving one person. And we will. And I was at an event yesterday talking and, and someone said that. I said, that's true. We're helping one person. But if we're talking about this around suicide prevention, mental health, you know, no shame, no stigma, getting through it, then if I'm talking to you now, I'm helping you. Yeah. If I'm talking to, you know, 150 apprentices at, you know, Bendigo TAFE, if I'm out at the sale yards, if I'm, you know, at the big factory, I'm at Talis, I'm in, in the, the you know, Bendigo Senior Secondary, on the big building sites, we're helping every single person, whether it's now, whether it's that night, whether it's three months later, these conversations will help not just the people there, but all the people around them. So Absolutely. Bendigo, come on. Yes, please. And I've seen your Facebook page where you are having the events. There is, admittedly, there's a lot of high viz, uh, but there are so many people. You are drawing people in. They want to hear this conversation. They want to have it. Community, connection, conversation, support, they are such important things and you embody that. You are incredible at it. You are grassroots. We need more of you. Um, Thank you. Um, thank you, Kimberly, for those questions. I get some basic ones sometimes, which are great, but I like ones where I can think more and I have more time than a quick... Meh, 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 meh. So I do thank you for that. Thank oh, you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let us know by leaving a review via our socials or connecting with us online at bbendigo.com.au.